This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. In this episode, we're going to learn a bit more about moss and surahs and how they can be designed in a more practical way to accommodate users more comfortably. Joining me to talk about it is Ali Sabrina Ismail. She's the Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia. She's going to start by breaking down the many architectural styles that are adopted by the many moss in the country. Okay, um, thank you so much, Hanif. Uh, all right, if we look into the context of Malaysia, um, and Malaysia has actually undergone a lot of uh, evolution in terms of mosque architecture development. And uh, there's a lot of scholars have done a lot of documentation about uh, mosque evolution and mosque development in Malaysia. And most of scholars actually had outlined there are seven styles of mosque architectural language that actually can be classified in the Malaysian context itself. And these are the traditional vernacular and then you have the Sino-Eclectic, the colonial or the European classicism and then you have the North Indian style and the modern vernacular, the modernistic expressionism and the postmodern revivalism. So I think perhaps for the um, betterment for the uh, audience, uh, I think I'll, I'll explain each of these style uh, in, in a very brief manner so that you can understand what is the differences between these seven styles. So if you look at the first one, which is uh, the vernacular style architecture, which is a traditional vernacular. So if you understand the word vernacular itself, it actually means denoting to the availability of the materials, the craftsmanship, the technology of the pre-colonial period. So there are seven, uh, there are three types of mosque which falls in this category, which actually can be distinguished mainly from the use of the roof form itself. So the first one is the three-tiered pyramidal roof form, which is the example like the Kampung Laut or the Kampung Tuan Masjid and it was believed to be built between the 16th and the 17th century um, and then we have the second type which is the two-tiered pyramidal roof form which is the Papan and Lenggeng Mosque and then uh, this, this mosque actually was built in the 18th and the 19th century and the third kind is the gable roof form which is similar to that of the house kind of a shape but all of these mosques is actually made of timber which is that's why they fall in the category of the traditional vernacular. But then we have this Sino-Eclectic uh, architectural mosque style. But the Sino-Eclectic mosque style actually indicates a lot of Chinese influence to it. And it, it has this eclectic style because it denotes a combination of two or more kind of influence of architectural language. And the most popular mosque of this style you can see is the Kampung Hulu Mosque, the Tenkerab Mosque, which are all located in Malacca. And the most significant features of this mosque is that they are surrounded by a masonry fence and they most like reminiscence like the Chinese temples. And then the third one, we have the European classicism or known as the colonial style and which actually refers a lot to the high Renaissance kind of architecture that was derived from the Greco-Roman heritage. And such example, you can see this one is the Sultan Abu Bakar Mosque in Johor, which actually shows a lot of features and characteristics are using um, columns, you know, using a tripartite division of base, middle and top with double columns supporting with semicircular kind of an arches. So it, it more looked like a 
like a colonial kind of an architectural features. And then we have this North Indian style. So this North Indian styles, one of the good example is mentioned just now by Yuhanev is the Jamik Mosque, you know, and the Masjid India Mosque, which is in Kuala Lumpur, and which has a lot of use of small and large onion domes. And they have this multitude of spires and um, canopies and have more than one minaret and using a lot of horseshoe kind of an arches to it. But then in the 19 uh, and the late 20 and late 19 and the early 20th century we have this modernistic kind of a style of mosque that comes to place in in Malaysia so this kind of modernistic actually rejects a lot of ornamentation in any of the form. So they much look into the abstraction of form that celebrates the structural expression in architecture. So the good one example is the National Mosque, which was built by Datuk Baharudin. And then we have the Negeri Sembilan State Mosque. So most of them are using this kind of a modern materials, you know, like like the National Mosque, they, have, they, they use this folded plate dome with a metaphor like a royal umbrella signifying the importance of the building like a national monument. So, and then we have uh, the later stage, which is the postmodernist revivalism. So, the postmodernist revivalism actually happens in the late 20th century and the early 21st century. And we have these two categories within this realm, which is the first one is the foreign revivalism and the vernacular revivalism. The foreign revivalism is much actually focusing on using Iranian and Turkish domes, you know, uh, like Egyptian, Turkish minarets, Persian Iwan gateways. And this is actually. Um, you can see uh, in, in the Putra Mosque located in Putrajaya and then we have the Shah Alam State Mosque. But then the vernacular revivalism also there's another touch to it but it, it shows the construction without using uh, any Middle Eastern uh, kind of a flavor but more towards the Central Asian touches. So such priority or example of this mosque is the Malacca State Mosque located in Malacca. So in overall, there are seven uh, important dominant styles of mosque architecture in Malaysia. Yeah. Mm. All right. So so there are different varieties of, of I guess, um, mosques there that you mentioned earlier. Um, but they all tend to, I guess, gravitate towards a design that's, that can be considered classically a mosque. You know, if you know what I mean, with a minaret and also um, dome, perhaps, right? But like, are there any attempts at trying to, I guess, move away from, from having these symbols for our mosque, you know? Is that even like something that, you know, people have started to think about? Yes, actually, uh, there there is. Because uh, if you look into the uh, late 21st century, that there is a different kind of an approach towards mosque design. Uh, and this one you can see a lot, uh, like the example of the uh, Masjid Fisabilillah, so in Cyberjaya. So this Madid Fisabilillah uh, was designed by the architects of Atsa Sendrian Burhat. And the main approach of the design of this mosque is actually looking into sustainability in concept. So the mosque actually used uh, a more simpler kind of a minimalist kind of a form rather than uh, adopting the dome design you know, with tall minarets similar to the Middle Eastern kind of uh, features. Uh, but this mosque actually gives more uh, approach and more sensitivity to 
towards providing a sustainable kind of an environment for the user. So they provide a lot of a natural air circulation comfort. And then you can see there's a lot of using geometric carvings that, that abstracting uh, from the um, what you lettering of the cut calligraphy, but more into a known as a modernistic and kind of a minimalist kind of an expression. So Masjid Negara also have this kind of uh, design to it. You know, it, it doesn't use the onion dome or using using the dome structure as itself, but it, it uses the combination of modernistic reinterpretation of a traditional Malay architecture with a folded plate to symbolize the idea of the dome. And uh, Masjid Negara also uses the implementation of this traditional kind of a Malay architecture, like the Malay house, where they have, where, where the Masjid Negara has an uh, extensive set of serambi, you know, have, have a veranda space with a lot of light courts and air wells. So this, in one sense, provide a lot of ample of daylighting and passive cooling to the building. So this not only bring out the technological qualities of the architecture of the mosque, but also it, it imbued and bring back the idea of the spiritual qualities to the design and at the same time it gives a lot of comfort to the users by by having this uh, kind of a natural environment to it yeah mm, yeah and that's the thing right i think um uh, you mentioned sustainability at um at one point just now and i think that's something that we will, we can talk about um after this as well but essentially that's that's the main question right you know can we juggle between most designs and architecture that are beautiful and also practical, and can they both coexist? Yes, actually, yes, because the the keyword here is balance. You know, when you talk about balance here, meaning that whatever building that you design, whether it is a religious building or as a public institution, the keyword is that you need to adopt a kind of a democratic kind of an architecture approach. So in this sense, uh, a designer should always think that whenever you build a building, the build form should actually have a sense of a holistic experience and quality. So in this sense, it needs to be capable of fulfilling the comfort needs of the society at all levels, which means uh, talking about the community individuals consisting of anything that they feel or they think. So in this sense, for a build form to portray the idea of democracy, it actually needs to emphasize on the two main design aspects involving the form and the spatial organization because uh, these two elements actually need to promote the idea of spirit of time and spirit of place. So perhaps I need to elaborate a little bit actually, um, Hanif, what is actually spirit of time and spirit of place for, for, for the audience to, to understand, okay? So if we talk about spirit of time here, which means that you need to talk about a building, that a building should appear to be functional to fulfill the need of the user in all aspects, but also at the same time, it needs to be aesthetically pleasing in style. So in this sense, we need to produce a design that actually can assert the usage of energy-saving features, you know, and second, to portray a form that can adapt the use of the natural materials. And the third is to implement a non-excessive embellishment and ornamentation. There's nothing wrong to have ornamentation and embellishment, but the embellishment and the ornamentation has to have function to it which means that it has to be treated as a functional entity and need to be well integrated with the whole structural form. For instance, uh, I'm taking example, if you're putting a lot of uh, columns, for instance, 
the main body of the column is actually to support the building structure. But at the same time, the, the column that you use can actually adorn and, and give some sort like a decoration aesthetically pleasing to the whole concept of the building form. And if you look into the fourth thing is that you need also to have the awareness towards the idea of transparency. So in this sense, you must have a building design that actually based on the idea of the concept of a community where in which the build form can integrate it into the communities they intended to serve and it must have a better function to it, a best function that can serve back to the community. So this is where the idea of the spirit of time and spirit of place comes to place. So when we talk about spirit of time, the building also has to be um, within the bounding of the locality itself, which means it has to respond to the existing climate, respond to the existing topography, and also respond to the existing culture of the people. And when I talk about the spirit of time, which means that the building also has to be within the identity, within the contemporary context, so that the building can be easily accepted by, by the people and also by the user. That was Ali Sabrina Ismail, Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia, sharing her knowledge on MOS architecture. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. I'm joined by Ellie Sabrina Ismail. She's the Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia. And we're currently talking about MOS architecture and design. We're going to continue the conversation now by looking at how practical MOS architecture should be defined. Um, okay, that's that's a good uh, question actually because the first thing is that you have to understand the main concept in designing a mosque Okay, because most of people will always think that whenever you design a mosque like a religious institution it is actually talking about um, more towards denoting towards this idea of the building like a, some sort like an object you know, some sort like a, a house of worship but if you're looking to another concept of understanding the historical development behind how this mosque comes into place since the, the time of the Prophet Muhammad, a mosque is actually a place where you call it as a place where the community gathers for the development and the benefit of the community. So in this sense, but as time goes along, mosques become like a monumental kind of a structure that symbolizes the idea of a politics, economy and things like that. So the real definition or the real essence or the spiritual being of the mosque, being a community center, is actually slowly become eroded in the society. So they think it as a mosque, like an aesthetic object, you know, like, like a object, like a house of worship you know something sacred and things like that but if you really understand the the idea of the mosque that is being put forth by the prophet muhammad you know like masjid nabawi in medina and things like that that is where the idea of interaction comes into place so the concept of designing mosques actually falls into three categories which means that the first one is talking about producing a mosque that can actually integrate the movement of the community and also the environment. 
So this one actually you can achieve through by having the mosque that practices a kind of a design, a concept of openness and fully functions in a local context. So in this sense, the mosque is open to all. Uh, whether you are a Muslim or a non-Muslim, to come and use the function of the mosque. And second, when we talk about the, the mosque design, is that using the natural building materials. Because when you apply the nature of the humanity and respect for the nature for the building design, it is not only sustainable and environmental friendly, but it also talk about uh, producing a responsible kind of an architecture that actually purifies the need for the senses, that responds to the human will. And in this sense, it relates back to organic kind of an approach. And the, the third one is when we talk about uh, producing a mosque design, it also need to relate back to this idea and the needs of the local culture. So the, the mosque that in, in Malaysia, located in Malaysia, might be a, in a different context if the mosque is located in, in the non-Muslim country, like in the States or, or, or maybe in other parts of the world. So in this sense, the identity also plays an important role. So like, like for the mosque to be located in Malaysia, I think that we need to bring out the local culture, the local climate and, and the local needs of the people. So this is actually related back to the um, Islamic principles. So when we design a mosque, I think Islamic principles also need to come into place. You know, when we talk about this, this word like ikram, islah, and also insan, you know. Um, because if you talk about uh, the word, uh, the principles of Islam like ikram, you know, ikram means uh, you are trying to implement the nature of human congregation, you know, to strengthen the connections between people. So in this sense, the mosque must portray the idea of a placemaking concept and when we talk about islah the principle of islam like islah islah means like applying the specific manners of adab you know custom according to the quran and sunnah in the mosque design so in this sense when we produce a mosque design it has to have the concept of orderly and functional in terms of the space making with a kind of appropriate hierarchy and spatial arrangements that actually perhaps for instance safeguard the aura and the privacy between the men and women so as, as an example and also if we talk about the idea of Esan, you know, the principles of uh, Esan. Esan here means like creating a religious atmosphere through the charity of mosque, uh, like emulating back the Nabawi mosque concept during the days of the prophet. So in this sense, when we talk about Esan, the mosque must indicate the sense of genius loci, you know, the sense of place and have the idea of openness in terms of its location, placement, and it's accessible to all, uh, which means that it not only respond to the local climate and landscape, but it's also open to um, non-Muslim and to Muslim to join together to be in the mosque and, and, and to learn more and to get to know closer to Islam. Yeah, I think that's that's the most important thing if, if you understand the real concept of mosque architecture and, and design. All right. Okay, that's nice. Um, okay, if you don't mind, let, let's explore designs that we can perhaps apply when it comes to thinking about, you know, certain sections of the mosque, right? For example... Uh, prayer hall I'm quite also interested in exploring uh, the ablution area and how perhaps we can design it better to accommodate how it's being used uh, on a daily basis right because sometimes you know if you go to a mosque these days there is a lack of cohesion when it comes to designing uh, the ablution area and also the prayer hall resulting in sometimes the ablution area can be a bit water can clog up easily and then for people who have just taken their ablution um, as they walk towards uh, the prayer hall sometimes uh, you know they have to also consider you know, drying their feet and things like that so how can we start thinking about a more quote-unquote progressive design that can 
be more comfortable can be made more comfortable for for end users yeah yeah that that's that's a good point hanif okay because when you talk about mosque design it is actually a public a public place you know where where people come and go and and sometimes you have a mosque that is open 24 hours a day and and function throughout the day or and daily so which means you have those five prayers that you have to do so it's a kind of a daily place that people come and go and in, in a very large congregation so in this sense there there are three aspects of a design parameters that actually we should understand when going to design a mosque so number one is about the design features itself so when i talk about these design features it's actually involved the spatial layout of the mosque the orientation and the segregation between the male and female within the mosque uh, area and then we also talk about the material and the structural finishes of the mosque design so another design aspects that we also need to look into is the supporting facilities and you are right honey if you're mentioning about the ablution treatment yeah that is actually the most uh, significant area in in a mosque design and not only that we all need to talk about comfort of the user also and this involves ventilation hygiene and privacy and then we also have the third one which is the the design aspects which is the accessories provision so this one may be in terms of the decorative elements and the interior accessories so if i want to explain all of the design features and how the design parameters should look like it will take long but i will just pick up the most important thing So when we design a mosque uh, it is very very crucial that talking about user comfort because when you talk about user comfort it's actually not only increase the spirituality within the um congregation itself or within individuals but it also can increase the quality of our ibadah you know how we do it, the salat and things like that when when we are in the mosque so the design treatments of the supporting facilities is very important you know when you talk about um noise order you know you talk about ventilation thermal comfort lightings and things like that so in this sense uh, i just pick up one and two to explain so the most important thing is for instance ventilation treatment so ventilation treatment is very important for prayer spaces so when you when you have a prayer spaces especially like you're doing tarawih you know during ramadan there's a big congregation at one time so you need to have a very well ventilated space to ensure there's a lot of air movement within the space but nowadays most of the designers uh, try to avoid using natural ventilation and they just put air conditioning system you know mechanical ventilation and at that time when you have carpet you know as to cover the um, flooring system in in the in most of the mosque it it will actually gives order to it and and some some sort like a not nice smell within the prayer hall so in this sense it is very critical and very crucial for for architect to think what is the best material you know what, what how do we actually design a, a prayer space that actually can have a lot of natural cross ventilation and actually can give a nice thermal comfort when the user perform their solat or ibadah so in this sense um perhaps you can use a lot of uh, open open air kind of a uh, uh, design for the prayer hall you can have large openings you know using a, a lot of auxiliary fan 
to give an effect like a cross ventilation within the prayer space hall. So this is very important also because when you talk about prayer space hall, not only on ventilation also, Hanif, you're talking about how do you segregate, you know, the privacy treatment also between uh, space provision between male and female. But at the same time, you, you want also the woman to have gender equity within the mosque design itself. Okay, so this is this is critical when you design uh, the hierarchy of the spaces. So that's why it goes back to the Islamic principle when I mentioned about uh, the word the the word ikram, you know, or the word esan, you know, when you talk about ikram and esan, uh, the principle of Islam, and you really understand that, then the designer can design a better space within the the mosque area itself. Mm. Okay, we've been focusing a lot on moss, but I'm also quite interested in surahs and not just the smaller standalone surahs that we see in our like neighborhood, but also public surahs. For example, in public spaces like uh, malls, right? For example, I think these days, um, to be fair, a lot of a lot of malls have made um quite an effort to make sure that um our public surahs are quite um accommodative and quite comfortable for people to use but it's always interesting to think about how it can perhaps be designed better especially in a limited space right um considering that again these spaces can be used there can be quite a high traffic when it comes to prayer times right so how how do we go about thinking about i guess designing a surau, um, essentially as just a small prayer space for people to use um, during prayer times, you know, uh, in a quote-unquote limited space, uh, like for example, in, in malls. Um, yeah, okay. To, to understand first, um, if we look into the term um, surau, you know, surau is, 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 is also a place to perform prayer, right? But usually the surau, um, the minimum size for a surau usually within a 20 square meters, you know, that, that, that is the, the basic area for, for, for you to conduct your prayer within that area of surau. Um, even though that uh, surah also has the same function uh, as as the mosque, you know, but mosque is the bigger version. You know, surah is the smaller version, and surah is where you perform the the, the solat and things like that. And but within a, a short or duration or temporary duration of time, because sometimes you have to do other things, you just perform very quickly and then you move on and do your all your daily necessities. But when you talk about surah design, surah design also has to be very practical. You know, uh, it also have to have a proper design features, you know, the best supporting facilities uh, and also the accessories provision required to do the liturgical requirements of a solat. So it's similar like the design parameters, like I mentioned previously, when you design the mosque, you know, you have to look into the design aspects of its design features, the supporting facilities and also the accessories provision. But when you talk about the, the surau itself, uh, what is the most critical part is actually the spatial orientation towards the Qibla, you know, because sometimes when surau is located, for instance, in mall, you know, in petrol station, um, the problem is that the space that you have is very limited. And then at the same time, uh, you couldn't have the very uh, specific uh, space that is actually oriented towards the Qibla. And sometimes it is tilted here and there. And uh, it doesn't have the real accuracy of the space layout. So at the end, perhaps the spatial orientation can create a, some sort like a wasted of space and also inefficiency in terms of the floor plan just to cater for the self-alignment in the surau itself. So in this sense, um, when you talk about designing a surau, usually the designers of the architect have an, uh, what you call that, um, they, they put the thought of designing a surau later rather than embed the design of a surau during the process of the design. 
you know this is usually what we call um, putting in the the surau spaces uh, with after the design of the building is completed okay so this is where the problem comes in so but but if the design of the surau actually comes first hand you know in parallel when the architect comes up with a program brief and the ideation and embedded together i think there's no problem in terms of talking about the orientation of of the surau might be um not enough or things like that to cater for the self alignment and also uh, how to orientate the space perpendicular to the qibla axis and things like that so this is where it comes first hand that uh the designer has to think first uh on the location of the surau in each of the public spaces that they designed so if this process comes into being then i think the problem uh of, of the planning of the surau won't be a big issue after all but this is known as after thought design then actually it gives an impact to the design of the surau um did the pandemic have any effect on the thinking behind how our mosques and surauls um, should be designed better in the future Yes, definitely Hanif, okay? Because remember during the during the pandemic covid and I think that's uh we are not allowed to go to the mosque, you know, uh to to pray and 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 especially like tarawih during Ramadan 2 years ago most of us are doing our own prayer at home. So this this is very crucial because when we talk about mosque design in Malaysia, most of mosque design in Malaysia are actually enclosed spaces. um and they have four walls and at the end of the day they have to put a uh, mechanical ventilation to it just to air the within the spaces so but but when pandemic hits you know um the design of the mosque actually start to evolve you know when you have uh this pandemic it is actually a blessing in disguise because designers start to think about ventilation you know natural cross ventilation and how to maintain a healthy indoor kind of an air quality to it rather than using mechanical ventilation so mosque actually evolve i think in the late um after the pandemic covid hits um there's a new mosque a lot of new mosque coming in into malaysia design and one example is the dying mosque uh the dying mosque but it is located in johor and it uses most of it are all open and uses natural ventilation and natural air to it so i think i believe that this actually uh gives a lot of consideration towards the physical environment of the mosque design so we need to have a lot of more open uh, kind of a design especially in the prayer hall you know like like the concept of the dying mosque so to allow this idea of cross ventilation so but but for the future design i think um it is very critical also that whenever we design a building like a mosque especially we should not treat it as a house of worship like an object value and object centered but it must actually be harmony with the local context including how to bring back this idea and the spirit of of mosque actually as a center for culture of dakwah and community development that actually can strengthen the fraternal ties between the muslims and also the multiracial communities mm. um in your capacity as an academic um is this conversation happening have people started talking about i guess designing mosques in a more progressive way Yes, of course. That's why if you look uh in the in in Malaysian context nowadays, we can see a lot of new modern mosques comes in without the usage of the dome, you know, as as the main structure. Um because there's 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 no a kind of uh I think the architects actually try to look into a lot of what we know as functional kind of a design and and try to 
integrate between functionalism and also minimalism into a design of a mosque. So they they try to avoid using this a lot of decorative embellishments like what uh, imitating the Middle Eastern kind of a st- architectural style. So they're more looking into the kind of a modernistic kind of an approach of architecture into mosque design. So I'm seeing this is actually something very positive, especially among the local designers in in producing a best mosque design that actually gives awareness towards this idea of a community design concept. You know, when you design a mosque, uh, actually the most important thing is that try to propagate and promote the the idea of the Islamic religion, not only to the Muslim but also to the non-Muslim also. And in one sense, trying to bring back this idea of ikram, you know, uh, what you call that congregation and also uh, try to actually... Um, uh, bring back this idea of of uh, what we call that um, communication between the Muslims and also the non-Muslim to happen in in the mosque design. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Ali Sabrina Ismail. She's the Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying, University Technology Malaysia and we've been talking about practical mosque architecture. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at pfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin and you've been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on PFM 89.9 The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9 The Business Station.